Welcome to the Life in Deep Ellum podcast, exploring the sacred in art, faith, and community. Man, man, um, that, thanks Amy, I can't even imagine, I can't even get my kid to go to bed on time, so singing and dancing at the same time, uh, God bless you, that's a calling, um, we all know that, um, Stepping all over my grandma costume. All kinds of things are happening in life. Um, there's usually a stool, and I don't know what I did with it. Oh, I put it all the way over there this morning. Thank you. Ooh, y'all. So, we're in any number of places. Um, I am a grandma following directions. Um, I got too close to something. Um, And I'm putting my dish towel over my shoulder so you know, because this is my regular muumu that I wear. (laughs) And my regular, you know, scarf that I wear on my head. So I had to like figure out how to make this the costume that the mom groups, and it's the dish towel that does it. Because all of my aunts and all of my grandmothers usually have the dish towel and it's one both for like uncovering the bread you know or covering the bread so it can rise drying the dishes but it's also to swat you (laughs) when you are out of order and so I'm just glad that our kids know songs about being gloriously made and free as a kid because as a kid I was like getting swatted and and told that God wanted me to do the right thing all the time and be and I was like scared of God so I, that just warmed my heart to see our kids be blessed and singing about knowing that they're wonderfully made and that that's the story that they have, right? That that is the story of salvation and freedom that our kids have. And I realized that I brought the wrong size iPad up here. The other one's on my desk. And so this, nah, we'll work with it. We'll work with it. And so today we are, um, we're continuing our character series. We're going to just to give us a little bit of, we're going to continue our character series throughout, um, throughout Advent. So we have our final character series, uh, character study is going to be um, during Advent. I won't give away the character that is being featured during Advent, but you don't want to miss it. Thank you so much. This is why we run in groups, um, <laughs> because then we can we can shift and go. So, yeah, we're gonna end the year in Advent. We're actually gonna uh, do long Advent this year through January. Um, and so we've got Timothy, who we'll be doing today, and next Sunday we've got Lydia, who we'll be featuring going into Advent, and then da 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 da. I'm not telling you right now. And in in this, our character studies are within what we know as our transformation arc, um, where we started with healing, and right now we're in the middle of history, and this idea of time and place, that God does not make mistakes, and that being in a particular place at a particular time is important, and that looking at how 
God shapes people, how God shapes community, how a person showed up at a particular time and place within God's larger story is important. And that's the key. The key is is that, yes, these are our lives and these are our children and these were these people's lives, Timothy and Ruth, and right? But this is God's story. This is God's story, not my story. I'm just a part of it. And so one of the things that we know with that is like, how do I find my place within time and place? Like, how do I find where I situate myself? And as I was preparing to kick us off with our focus on Timothy, I found this scripture and I'd like for us to center ourselves on this. If you, um, I'm gonna invite you to close your eyes for a moment and, and find your breath in your belly, in your chest, in your throat. Some of us are nervous today between kids wearing costumes and all kinds of things. But the scripture that I'm going to center us with is 2 Timothy verses 1, chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. I thank God whom I serve, as my forefathers did, with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. Keep your eyes closed. I'm going to read that scripture again. That's 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. As you take a deep breath in, open your ears and your heart and hear, I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. So that I may be filled with joy. When you're ready, you can open your eyes and come back into this space with each other in this time, in this place. Those were the words of Paul written to Timothy. Timothy had been vulnerable enough to cry with someone who's technically his boss at one point in his ministry. And that did not fill Paul with contempt. It did not fill Paul with an incredulous curiosity of like, why couldn't he just pull it together and get it done? Instead, for Paul to see that level of vulnerability in a leader he trusted and helped disciple filled him with joy. (laughs) I constantly remember you in my prayers. How many of you still remember people in your prayers who you can't call anymore? Not just because they may have transitioned, but because of the way that life has gone, it's best that you don't. But something in your heart, something, not just in your heart, in the core of who you are, longs for them in a way where no matter what, what words might come out of their mouth about you, 
you long for them and plead for them to have joy when you talk to God. Some folks in my family don't call this Halloween. It's All Hallows Eve. Dia de los Muertos and tomorrow's All Saints Day. And so this idea that there are people that we long for and recall with joy on this day is kind of special. Where we are right now, if we place ourselves in time, it's not just Halloween. It's not just a time where we remember those folks as a part of us. It's not just as I, remind, I was reminded by our Lutheran set within Life and Debellum Reformation Day. Hold it down, Lutherans. We got a good contingency of Lutherans in Life and Um It is also a day where we get to celebrate with the kids and remember that how we're made is not a mistake. How we're made as life in Debellum is not a mistake. There was prayer and there was intention behind how life in Debellum, how Mocha and an art gallery and a space that keeps shifting with what the neighborhood needs to incubate it and a venue that can host a gathering, those were not accidents. Where we are right now in this transformation arc. It's not quite dead in the middle of history, but just almost halfway there. One of the things we've realized is that history is the intersection of, of, of the stories that we can tell about ourselves and the story that can be told about society or what God's doing in the world. That intersection is our identity. We're getting ready to head into one of the hugest parts of Christian historical story. The magic and the darkness, when the darkness and the scariness of shadows turns into the magic of potential miracles. That's where we're getting, this is the transition that we're in right now. And so as we were thinking about where we are in this history arc, we're coming to look at and examine the character of Timothy. God's story featuring the story of Timothy. The Apostle Paul is how we know of Timothy. Timothy. So Timothy didn't actually write anything that's in our sacred text that's in the Bible. But Paul wrote tons of things from what we know to Timothy. And much of Paul's writing about Paul's own things is shaped by Timothy. Because Timothy is with Paul during those portions that we are privy to via Paul's writings. And we all know how this goes. How many of you, your best friend, the person you're dating at the time, your spouse right now, if you picked up a journal from any particular year or opened, if you're Doogie Hauser like opened your journal on your computer from any particular year, there are people that are alongside you that may or may not be with you right now. How many people have, there are people that, right? And you talk to them about like, I mean, you don't necessarily say, oh, you made my journal yesterday, right? <laughs> 
But you'll say something like, oh, when I was writing about whatever, whatever we did the other day in my journal, you know what I realized? And so those people shape, those people who are with you shape how you understand your experiences, the the reflective identity you create when you think about what was God trying to do there? Oh, what was I doing versus what I was trying to do there? And so that's how we know of Timothy. Anytime we're getting a glimpse into Paul, we're getting a glimpse into Timothy. And so Paul met Timothy during his second missionary journal journey, and he became Paul's companion. A missionary partner along with Silas. And Timothy is extra important because, you know, Paul and Silas end up in jail. So, you know, your buddy that is not in trouble when you get in trouble, even if you haven't been in jail, when you were grounded and two of you and your friend group got grounded at the same time, but the one that didn't get grounded, that's how you found, like, like, like how you stayed relevant. That's how your girlfriend didn't break up with you because they like give her the notes, like, right? The friend that ends up not (laughs) in trouble, though you share the same values, is critically important. The friend that's not in the hot water, in the depths of the grief, in the throes of diapers and breastfeeding, those are the friends that are our lifelines, the ones that are with us, but maybe in a different position. So how does Paul describe Timothy then? In 1 Thessalonians 3 and 2, Paul describes Timothy as our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ. Paul is also careful to mention Timothy's credentials as a servant of God in his letters to various congregations. When Christy was referencing Philippians, we definitely, we hear of Timothy in 2 Philippians. Paul writes his his epistles to Timothy because one, Timothy is a young church leader and he needs the guidance. But he also writes to to Timothy because Timothy needs to be bold and not just smart. One of the things is that Timothy is extremely smart. He's been, he's not only is he smart and well-versed in the budding theology and idea and doctrine of Christianity, but he has a Jewish mother and grandmother who taught him the songs and the stories of his people. So Timothy is critical as a missionary because he can go back and forth with ease through both worlds. When you can go back and forth, we oftentimes think of that as like a spy. You're sneaky. You're going in and you're going out. Oop, you don't see me. Now you do. You don't. But given Timothy's role as what we would know in looking back as a herald, hence the trumpet, I love our people, Timothy could not be sneaky. He could not serve as a spy. He could not serve as a double agent. Timothy had to be bold. 
And so Paul offers Timothy a personal challenge to follow Jesus no matter the risk. You don't have to bake the vegetables into the lasagna. Serve it how it is. We know Timothy because of Paul. And what we know of Timothy is that Timothy tells the stories that create community from within the community. And by doing it in this way, what emerges is the connection and the cause. The story is the mission. Timothy gives us identity as Christians. Paul gives us rules and practices and rituals and pathways, but identity, how do you know what you're supposed to be doing and who you are? That's Timothy. So this guy that gives us this thing, this amazing gift, who is he exactly? So he's a missionary. We've talked about that. He goes out and in and all around to tell this story. He's also, as a consequence of his boldness, in the Jewish tradition, what is a martyr? He ends up being killed for the story he tells and the beliefs that he holds. In the Jewish sense, much like Abraham, he voluntarily suffers death rather than to deny the doctrine of Christ. At that point, it's not necessarily Christianity, so we'll just say the doctrine of Christ. Such action is afforded special within the the creation and the formation of church to be a martyr as the church was being codified is an institutional recognition. In our various denominations and faith communities, we may refer to someone as the right reverend or an elder or a deacon. To be called martyr Timothy meant something. The mission, our communal cause, is shaped by the story that we tell. What Timothy was about was shaped by the story he told of God that eventually gets him killed. When he is killed, he is the first official bishop in Ephesus. So we know of Ephesus because of all of Paul's letters and he's writing to all of these congregations that seem to be making him pull his hair out. So guess who their leader was? The reason why Paul knew to send the local pastor's letters was because his bishop was like, yo, Paul, I'm I'm trying to do these things. I'm trying to get these kids to sing and do these movements all at the same time. Help. (laughs) Tradition, probably based on New Testament inferences, have made Timothy the first bishop, even though they probably didn't use that language. But everyone would have known that this was the function he was serving. Which is why some which is why Paul's words were so effective. Think about it. Whether you're a grandparent, an auntie, the other parent that wasn't there when the thing happened. When you need reinforcements, having what seems to be an impartial party. Paul wasn't there in the middle of the bickering amongst the local churches. Timothy was. But somehow, 
Timothy's able to share the story with Paul about what's going on in the local churches in a way that Paul can give wisdom without bias. Despite hearing all the complaints, despite seeing all the bickering, despite all the things you can imagine when we're reading Paul's letters to the churches at Ephesus, right? He's laying the smack down. He's talking about all kinds of rules and regulations that sometimes to us can seem oppressive. Why? Right? Things that we are still untangling in the church. And it's because it's a new church with their first bishop. Hmm. Church with a big C. Ephesus, as it turns out, is also where he ends up being martyred. The very churchy word for murdered. (laughs) One of the legends says that he ends up being clubbed to death by a mob as he protests during a non-Christian, non-Jewish worship gathering. Which at that time usually involved like sacrifices and one of the one of the myths is that it was like a big orgy worship and like he and his congregations like marched in there with the cause of christ and he ends up getting clubbed to death so timothy worked with paul and silas and he helped found these churches notably the churches in corinth thessalonica philippi all of the ones we go to and we're looking for our wisdom This is Timothy. So what's the point? (laughs) Other than that's pretty interesting stuff, right? The point is looking at how the character, the person of Timothy is equipped is important. How the spirit of Timothy can be nurtured within any community. Timothy was counseled. (laughs) Timothy was mentored. Timothy was in constant communication with community. Timothy was in constant discipleship by a diverse group of teachers. Paul, a Jewish mother, a a Jewish grandmother, Greek leaders who were Gentile converts to Christianity that worked with his father, who was a Greek. Timothy was given knowledge and wisdom about leadership, not merely developed for the role that he served. Timothy studied many doctrines, not just Christian doctrine. Timothy was studied in mercy. Timothy was a companion. Identity in community is shaped by who connects with the story you tell. The churches at Ephesus, which were completely different than the churches at Corinth, which were completely different than the churches at Thessalonica, which were completely different than the churches at Philippi, somehow all still connected with Timothy. Somehow all still felt comfortable enough to go and be vulnerable. Do you know that complaining is an act of vulnerability? If I didn't think it mattered, I would not come to you. They did not go to Paul, although Paul would write to them to back up what Timothy was trying to teach. They went to Timothy. How can you teach if you don't know the facts or have the wisdom? How can you lead? 
How can you have facts or wisdom without listening, without hearing, without knowing the stories? In order to tell Paul the stories that we get in the detailed letters when he's trying to organize and order the church, that meant that Timothy knew everybody's business. Everybody's. How can you know the stories if you're not with folks? So here's the point. Are you a companion? Are you with folks in the middle? Because here's the thing. Timothy dies as the bishop, as one of the first bishops within our Christian understanding of big C institutional church. Timothy did not ascend as a key aspect of effectiveness. Essentially, Timothy was in the middle of the mess with folks, and they were like, yeah, why don't you do it? It wasn't like this, first Timothy did this, and then he did this, and then he submitted his resume, and then they did this, and then he did this, and then they decided that he was the most qualified bishop. They never had a bishop before. Timothy went more deeply into community as his assignment. That's what missionaries do. A herald is within the stories of the community, wherever the story is happening. And here's the big, big point, y'all. Here's the Jesus point. Here's the what God's bigger story point is. Traditionally, in this day and time that we're talking about, heralds would report the stories to the leader, to the king, to the empire. What God is establishing with Timothy's character is God's kingdom is structured in a way that intends for the community to decide the agenda for the community to lead, for those charged with the work to be within the context and community, experiencing the causes daily alongside the community. Wisdom comes from within. A herald clears the path for the second story. For us at Lied, that's the point. A good story reminds us of a time and a place that's important to us. A good story makes us say, that reminds me of. It isn't the first story. It isn't the story of Timothy being a martyr. It's the second story. It's Jesus being a martyr in the Jewish tradition. It isn't the first story of my aunties and my grandmothers and my tias giving their life to the church because they couldn't be preachers that matters today. It's the second story that when I was called, I knew I could not refuse the call because they had not been given the invitation. It's the second story that places us within community that leads us from I to a we. It's the second story that places us within the community and within the kingdom of God. 
It's the second story that makes us say, that reminds me of. It's the second story that brings to mind what God has done for us. When we hear someone open their life to us, when we hear someone tell them, tell us how their church did this and it hurt them, or we hear someone say, I was looking for something in my neighborhood and I just grabbed a cup of coffee. When we hear someone say, I remember the last time I had dinner with my mom for Thanksgiving. It is that opening up that creates the second story that creates community. It is the telling of our stories that makes us say that reminds me of. And I'll testify to the battles you've won. Are you my portion when there wasn't enough? And I'll testify to the seas that you've crossed. The waters you've parted and the waves that I've walked. And oh, 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 my God will not fail. And oh, 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 that's the story I'll tell. And oh, 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 our God will not fail. Timothy's identity as a herald is a crucial one. Timothy as a herald understands the cause of Christ within the mission of God to instill a desire within community. All people on earth would have the opportunity to know the God that can be both nourishing and sustaining. This is important because scripture tells us that our ability to overcome darkness in this world, darkness in our life, is only partially secured by the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. John, who we got to know well over the past couple weeks because of Kevin and Daniela. Hi, Coates family and little baby shepherd. John tells us in Revelation that the blood of the lamb is only part of the equation. In Revelation 12 and 11, it tells us they triumphed over him, over the prince of darkness, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much to shrink from death. You know that little death, that, that invitation, that idea of embarrassment that you get when you're about to tell someone something 
when the Holy Spirit drops into your gut to share something, to say something, and you're so afraid to say it because what if you won't die from that embarrassment? Don't shrink from it. The blood of the lamb has secured us, but to overcome darkness, we have to embody the spirit of Timothy as a herald and tell our story. Because our story is placed within God's larger story, which is that we will, not just I will, not just you will, but we will live and not die. And we will overcome any and all darkness.